let me ask you this. You, this was not the first time you had done anything with a G League Ignite prospect because you did one on, you did a story on Jalen Green a couple of years ago. Yeah. Who also came out of the G League Ignite and was a number two pick to Houston. What are some of the differences? Because, you, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, and I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong because that Jalen Green story, I think, came out while COVID was still kind of going on. So maybe you didn't have as much in-person access back then as you would have now. So, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong about that. But, like, what are some of the differences in the program and, like, how their whole operation is that you saw from back a couple years ago when you did the Jalen Green story to when you were around the team now to do the Scoot story? Well, the it didn't. I think the Jalen story was actually even before he went to the G League because I remember going to Fresno mm-hmm. to spend time with him at his high school. So it was before, you know, he joined the Ignite. So um, just a little caveat there. Um, but it's grown tremendous. I I did profile another Ignite guy, Principal Singh, the player from India. Oh yeah, who played on Ignite who actually the same year as Jalen. Um, and I think it's come a long way, but as you can see in my scoop profile, the the opening scene is them being locked outside of a high school gym. Yeah. <laughs> it's not this like glamorous path where the red carpet's laid out for you. I mean, Las Vegas is so spread out. It's very hard to get access to gyms. Um, you know, the G League really struggles with that, especially in Vegas. I mean, Scoot had to warm up by just dribbling in the parking lot. So, you know, I think Ignite has come a very long way from like, you know, the Jalen year, the principal year, but it's still obviously got a a long way to go in terms of, you know, amenities and stuff. But the arena is really cool. I mean, it's an NBA experience. Um, I I think that Scoot um, and people like Jalen have brought a lot of attention to the G League as far as like, hey, if you are a top prospect, this can work for you. Um, But it's kind of the way that I feel about, say, the Thompson Twins at Overtime Elite that I profiled them as well. Mm -hmm. The program can work or not work, but it's really about you and how good you are and how willing to work you are and i think that those players just had those intangibles so whatever deficiencies there are with these upstart leagues it kind of like doesn't really matter because the talent and the work ethic is so there Mm -hmm. um but i think all of them are so new all of them are still trying to figure out how to run themselves essentially i mean it's it's like all the startup culture we see in tech we're like seeing it in basketball now yeah and the the g league one is a little bit i mean the, the the uh the overtime elite one is a little like I I know a little bit less about that one, but you know I I read your story about the twins and that was the, the they the Blazers brought both of them in for workouts and so I was you know doing some research on them before the draft I'm you know very impressed by both of them also so but I know a little bit less about the overtime thing whereas at least with the G League ignite at least like the G League is like an accept you know you know, an established thing. It's funded by the NBA. It has the NBA infrastructure. There are NBA players, like uh, a player that, you know, is one of Scoot's, you know, close mentors is Pooh Jetter, who has been a, you know, longtime G League player, international player. The Blazers actually just hired him as the assistant GM of their G League team that they just launched uh, earlier this week. But you're playing against grown men and you're playing against people who actually have NBA experience and you have NBA caliber trainers and you have, 
you know, NBA caliber, you know, like you said, the, their arena is an NBA experience. So like you get a little bit more real, you know, experience and, you know, an idea of what the NBA level is going to look like there than maybe you would in college or, you know, in something like overtime elite that doesn't have that type of infrastructure. I mean, it's really intense. Like essentially all 10 people on the floor are all fighting for their lives. And so, and all 10 people like need to score 20 points a game. I mean, not literally, but like that's, you know, it's, it's very, very competitive. And, you know, you look on Twitter and people are just really like, stupid and like just comment oh this, uh, <laughs> that that could be true about literally any topic <laughs> what you just said <laughs> I know. but you know how people are like that guy's a bum that guy sucks they have no idea that the right. person they think is the worst person on an nba roster or the worst person on a 10 day with the g league or whatever that player has beat out thousands and thousands and thousands of people and mm. so this idea that Scoot was just going against subpar players, it's its really just not true. Like, those guys actually have more incentive to play hard than the average NBA player um, because their lives are not guaranteed. I mean, the intensity level is real, and they're older, and they're better, and they're smarter, and they have something to lose. So I, I just think that is really, really a competitive level. Well, we just saw the Heat make the finals and like the big graphic that ESPN put on every single one of their games was they have seven undrafted players. Like, yeah, all those undrafted dudes like Max Struess and uh, Gabe Vincent and whoever, like those guys all played in the G League. Those guys all came up this way and those guys are all, you know, contributors on a team that made the finals. Like the talent level just across the board is so much higher now than it was 10 years ago. Derek White, like another guy profile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's it's just really it's intense. Even somebody like Austin Reeves, like you talk about like yeah, you know, going undrafted or whatever. Like th- there's so much talent. Um, and that's why I just think like the mental side is really what separates people, right? Like it's it's that okay, we're going to practice again at this little dinky gym in the middle of nowhere fighting for my dream. How can I make it? Like the guys that stick, you know, the people like Pooh, like you mentioned, like they, they have that. Totally. Um, how do you think, I mean, it's so, it's so interesting because, you know, one of the, th- one of the things in the story that you kind of hit on a lot was, you know, his leadership and, you know, mm-hmm. that, that aspect of kind of his personality and, you know, what he brings as a player. And it's so, I'm so fascinated by, I mean, especially like like now he's 19 and now he's, you know, had a couple of years in the G League, but he first comes in having graduated from high school in three years. He's this 17-year-old kid who comes in and like I said, like, like we talked about, he's, you know, got grown men on his team who have been pros for 10 years or more. And this kid who's making more money than any of them because he just signed this big, you know, five, you know two-year, $1 million deal and he has this Puma deal. So he's making this kid that comes in is making more money than any of these guys. And he's trying to say like, Oh, I'm the leader. I'm trying to, you know, I'm that, that's something I want to assert. I know like Scoot's personality is like not super domineering and is, you know, very humble. And so that probably made it easier for people to accept, but I'm so interested in that dynamic of like a kid coming in that young, trying to do that and how people much, much, much older than him in some cases react to that. 
Well, it's not stepping on toes. It's not getting in there and being like, hey, my, I'm the next whatever. He's just not like that at all. But it's little things like he is a kid. He likes Rice Krispies and stuff. He has <laughs> his house and he you know they get all these snacks and he shares it and they you know his house is known as like the snack house and like his teammates enjoy being around it's like little things like that um the other thing is like you know he's had his welcome to the you know pro ranks moments like missing your flight at yeah, 5 a.m i um, like that anecdote in the story it was one of my favorite anecdotes in the piece you know he's like so nervous about not waking up and he stays up all night and he's sitting in his chair and he's like not going to go to sleep. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm not going to miss my flight. And then he misses his flight. So I think, honestly, part of being a leader is showing your weakness and mm-hmm. saying, hey, I, I fucked up too. And I think they just saw that like, okay, he he's he is young, but he is so talented and so earnest. He felt so bad about missing the flight that like they have no choice but to respect the humility that he brings right. and tries to do better. And, you know, he never missed a flight ever again. Never did anything. Right. And, and I... Even a situation like that, you think he's like he's not coming in like, oh, I'm this kid that just signed this million dollar deal. I don't need to show up on time for the flight. He actually was trying to stay up for the flight and he and he fell and he crashed. Exactly. Like, and it, I think it's also like a leader is somebody who's like really comfortable in their own skin and like the way Scoot moves around, like he's so funny, like he'll just start dancing out of nowhere. <laughs> and, um, I think they just like his authenticity. And then they see what a bookworm he is like that, as you know, like I love books. Um, that was one of my favorite parts about um, the piece is that his nose is always in a book. So I think his teammates saw like, hey, this guy's funny. Yes, he's really a kid. Like I said, Rice Krispies, all that. But he's, such, he's a very serious person. He's in yeah. his room like with a book. So I just think people respect that he is so introverted too. What kind of books does he read? Because you t- you talk a lot about this one book, The Purple Cow, which is like a business, you know, type, you know, self-help book that was a big influence on him. Do you know like what, like, I'm assuming this is something you bonded with him over because you're obviously a huge yes. book person also, but like what, what other, what like what type of books does he read? Yeah, it is a lot of similar books, like self-help, like, um, you know, ones that are more well-known, like Seven Agreements, stuff like that. Sure. Um, but it, but he's very business-minded. Like he, like a lot of young players coming up, like they, they definitely um, are thinking about business and money and the economy beyond this moment. So he, he reads a lot of like business stuff um, mm-hmm. in addition to like self-help stuff. Um and, it, and he sort of approaches reading, like, not necessarily, like, the way that I do for, like, you know, pleasure or, sure. like, escapism. He's, like, mining the pages for information. He He's, like, a – like, he wants to learn as much about how he can, like, get better or do this or have this asset or do that. So I think he's – He's more of like a reader for information. It's it's like another edge. But the other thing is like, and this is what I mean by the G League is a really good experience. He he was reading because he was alone so much. And that's a part of the pro experience that people don't realize, which is like you can't be on the court like a million hours a day. You're, most of your time outside of the team is like literally by yourself. And so he was bored like he had to do something and so he started like really getting into reading you know who i'm gonna make a prediction right now you know who his best friend on the blazers is gonna be who matisse theibel 
Oh, do you know yeah. Do you know Matisse Thibel at yeah. all? Have you ever? Well, I was supposed to profile him, um, and it just like never happened. Um, but yeah, I could see that. Matisse is the biggest, one of the biggest readers that I've ever yeah. encountered in the NBA. He got traded here from Philadelphia uh, halfway into the season at the trade deadline, and. Every single time I'm in the locker room, he has a different book in his locker, and he was, like, giving players books, and it's all different genres. Like, some of it is, like, the business self-help type of stuff, but, like, he reads novels, he reads poetry, he reads, like, biographies. I remember one, you know, one one team staffer, not even a player, like a team staffer, I forget who it was, but it was a team staffer, was telling me that, you know— he was asking them like what their major was in college and it was like history. And so he got that person like a book about world war two or something. Like he was, I could, so if, if Scoot is this big reader, I can just see him and Matisse just like taking to each other. Like, I love like that. that. Yeah. 